and an attitude of prayer. And let's look back over 2011 and let's thank the Lord for three things that He did in our lives. All you have to do is think of them and just say, Lord, thank you. And begin to name them all. Thank you for my family. You know, let's do that right now. Can we just thank the Lord for 2011? How wonderful it was what God did. It may not have been perfect or the best year of your life, but God did some good things. Come on, let's all thank you right now for three things. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you for my family.
That's what God is into right now. 
So I just want to encourage you, be a part of this. If God has put Wicker Park on your heart, then come and be a part of it and know that this is just the beginning. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Thank you so much for hearing my heart on that. And can I get some whoop whoops for the winter retreat? <laughs> This is going to be so exciting for you right here. This is what we planned. This to me, as I look back over seven years coming this March and pastoring this church, my wife and I have looked at what has been the most meaningful weekend in our life. This is it right here. As I look back at these winter retreats, I get poured into so much. I bring in my friend, uh, Glenn Boom Boom Madonsky. He's radical. He changes my life and people who come. Dude, will you find that YouTube video for me, please? Boom Boom Madonsky has a special message for you today at Wicker Park. He wants you to come to this retreat, and he's got a good message. And so when, uh, when they get it up here for you, I'll play it. But here's where the heart of the winter retreat comes from. We're starting a new year. Now, some churches go on 21-day fast. How many have you on a 21-day fast right now? Okay, go for it. The rest of you, go ahead and do it. Start your 21-day fast. But here's how we do it here. New year, let's go into the retreat. Okay, it is so fine to look at you guys right now because if you're seeing what I'm seeing, you're seeing this right now. Just look at me for a second. He knows what he's doing, right? Just focus right here. We're going to start the new year giving everything we have to God at the altar. We're going to go after God in praise and worship. We're going to hear the preaching of the word, and it is going to bless us. We really, really, really want you to be there with your family, and if you have anybody in your life, that you think you can influence to come, I want them to come. Even if they don't have any money, it'll be free. We'll pay for them to come. Why? Because it's that life-changing. It's powerful. You'll never be the same. Are we ready for Boom Boom? Okay, let's watch this by Boom Boom right here. Hey, everybody. It's Robbie Bland. I'm coming at you in this video, and I'm trying so excited. I put on my Sherlock Holmes hat, and I'm looking for clues. It's clues about what the Lord's going to do in 2012. I can't wait to share them with you. They're at the winter retreat for Metro Praise, so get registered. There's only a little bit of time left, and so we want to make sure that everybody gets a place, and I uh, want you to come, and you know, there's something that you just can't sit at home or listen on to a message or watch a video of. You've really got to come in and be a part of it. This is one of the best ways to start off your January 2012 in the beginning of the year and just say, Lord, I want you to get a hold of my life. So I'm inviting you to get registered and I'm inviting you to bring two pairs of shoes, one for shouting and one for stomping. to take you back to the devil's soul. So if you want to get ready, and we're really looking forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Come on, let's Here it is, very simply, the winter retreat. We're going to meet at Irving Park Campus, 7 a.m., Friday, January 20th. We're going to then drive an hour to Lake Geneva, okay? We are having a church. They allow us to use a whole facility, gymnasium, cafe, ping pong tables, the whole deal, big sanctuary. It's awesome. It's tons of fun. We're going to drive out there. Glenn Boom Boom Badowski is going to bring the boom boom of the Holy Ghost. That's why we call him Boom Boom. Because when he preaches, the boom of God comes. Amen. <laughs> so he's going to come bless you and, and just preach the word of God and inspire you. Then there's going to be time for fellowship, hanging out, 
Then we're going to go to the hotel, and that's when the after party gets started, okay? Because we get there in time, the pool's still open, the jacuzzi, we keep it Christian, okay? Uh, we go there, we hang it on, and then we start the next day, do it again, and come back to the church, and you got plenty of time to get some good rest on Saturday night to be to church on Sunday, okay? It's only $50, that covers the food in the hotel, and if you can't afford it, I want you to look at me and listen to me. It is F-R-E-E, we're going to the Genesis name for Mercer right now, F-R-E-E! Believe it or not, it's F-R-E-E. So listen, you better come. Now, I love my family, but I will kidnap you if I have to. And catch a kidnapping charge and bring you out there. So for the sake of me, me not getting arrested, catching a kidnapping charge, I want you guys to come out and bring your families. And I promise you, your life will never be the same. Now, this is what we got going on on Facebook. Can you put it up there for us, please, Ellie? Now, Facebook is the way we can invite our friends to this. I want at least 100 people on Facebook to click, I'm going. And so I want you to use the Facebook uh, uh, event page that we have to invite your friends. And you're going to be able to see it right here. It's very simple. All you have to do is come up here, click going. We already got 74. We're 25, 26 away from 100. Come on, somebody. We're we have close to 150, maybe 200 people show up, but just on Facebook, I want to create the buzz of at least 100 people. What you do when you get here is you go up there, click going, and then go with everybody, you know what to do. Then share event, and you just tag every friend and every non-friend that you know in God's green earth, and you invite them to come, okay? And if they defriend you, it was worth it, y'all. It was worth it for Jesus. Oh, they're one of those Jesus freaks. Defriend them. It was worth it, baby, because my hands are clean. Amen? So I want you to help us spread the word and get the word out there. This retreat is going to change your life. Everybody say life. Amen. Okay, so that's what's going on this week. Uh, Tuesday Life Groups have been doing good. I'm going to let Chris come up. Chris, why don't you share and talk about what we do on Tuesdays at Life Groups. Uh, Tuesdays, we pretty much were in the same place. Uh, we make this into a little bit of a more homey type feeling. Uh, last Tuesday was kind of cold, so it wasn't uh, as, as warm like a, like a warm home. But we got the heat fit, so it's nice and warm and more comfortable. And we, what we do is we put in a circle, we, we, we do worship, we do a Bible study, we, we hang out, we play games back there. It's, uh, it's fun. And I, actually, before Life Group, we're going to be going out and evangelizing, inviting people, getting the word out there, preaching Jesus. Amen? The reason why we wanted to keep our Life Group, the reason why we wanted to keep the Life Group on the same day, Tuesday, as what we were doing at Chopin, is because we don't want to have to have another day. We want to keep it simple for everybody, and then we just want to get the word out that we're here. So a life group is generally in a home. It's a home Bible study, but Chris and Vanessa are making this place like home. And so we want to invite you guys to come out. This is our vision. If you want to know what Metro Praise is focused on, this is it right here. And we're going to actually be talking about it today in our lesson. Can somebody say connect? Come on, say it like you mean. Say connect. Amen. Thank you. We want everybody to connect to the cross, to be mentored with the cross, to be sent out to carry the cross. And what is the vision? Somebody say love God. Somebody say love people. Thank you. Two greatest commands. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
that's what Mental Praise is focused on here in 2011. And we want to make disciples. And I believe if we get all together, we can make 100 disciples, 100,000 disciples here in Chicago with 50 churches, only 48 more to go. And let me just say this right now. If you're just like, well, Joe, you only got two. It's 48 more to go. How many Lamborghinis would you want? Two or zero? Hello? How many million would you want? Two or zero? I think having two churches is doing pretty good right about now. Amen. 48 has just got poured out of spirit. And we already got 200 churches around the world. We're shooting for 500. If you believe we can do it, somebody say, let's do it. Amen. And I'm going to be sharing that with you today because we've got a lot to talk about about what God did in 2011. We got in all the records from last year. We're going to talk about missions. We're going to talk about what we did financially, set some goals for this year, and then have a great message on the church. So let me just get here to what we're going to be getting into today, the actual giving report for the church. I want to show you your giving report in just a moment, but I want to show you Irving Park right here because some of you had a part to play with that. Here was 2010. This is 2011, what we, we did in that past year, and that's the increase. General offering for Irving, $156,134.35. We increased it to $175,943.75. 12% increase. Building fund, 41,000 up to 47,000, 15% increase. Mission, 21,000 to 27,000, 29% increase. Elevate, $833 to $888. And we're working to get that increase. Come on, 6% increase. Elevate mission, $213 to $351. Overall, last year, all contributions, $219,471.75. This year, get ready to shout. $252,102.17. Come on, somebody. You would be happy if that was in your bank account. Now, if you look right here, the greatest increase was in missions 29% to general fund, 64% into that youth mission fund. We are passionate in this church about making a difference. We started with zero dollars, now a quarter of a million dollars, even in the middle of recession. Thank you for enabling Metro Praise to change the world. Thank you. We could not do it without your faithful giving, and this is just the beginning. And what I want to do is show you where we're at right here. I want you to look at that big old red number because I'm going to talk about that. So this is Wicker Park, and this is where we got to invest finances. And so we're okay with that. But now we need to understand where we're at to continue to increase. Because like my dad used to tell me, he said, Joe, the bank is closed. Uh, we need to say now the Wicker Park, the bank is closed. So that means now you all, Wicker Park needs to get her done. Look at your neighbor and say, get her done. Yeah. Now it's okay because we did a lot this month. I want you to take a look at it. You guys brought in $1,000 in December because I want to give you guys a report every month of how you do, just like we do at Irving. And $2,527 in building $0.50 and missions $143.60. $3,695.35. That's pretty good. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Now, that big old red number means we spent that much more that didn't come in. Now, of course, you guys know you've been in the real world for a while. You didn't just wake up at your parents' house uh, this morning with the laundry she gave you, did you? Now, most of you live on your own. You understand this. Family's here. This 
building costs money, that TV, that computer, those things in the back. And so that's what we're in the red right now. But I'm okay with that investment. Is it worth it, you think, for Wicker Park? Yeah. Yeah. The father gave his son. Was that a pretty big investment? Was it worth it? Yeah. I believe it's a, it's a good investment. And so this is what I'm asking us to do this year. I want us to believe, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. I want us to believe over the next three months that we can raise back that money and then some so that we can move forward here. Can you all say amen? Amen. Amen. So, Chris, give me a pledge card, please, and everybody who has one, would you pull it out? We want to ask you to start off this year by giving God your best and to help us do what we need to do to accomplish the vision of Metro Praise. And then, Alfred, I'll give you a second, too, please. Faith Pledge 2012. Here it is. We are blessed to be a blessing. Metro Praise is solely supported by your sacrificial tithes and offerings. Does everybody get what that means? We don't have a denomination that supports us. We're non-denominational. There's not an other organization. We don't get money from the government. Some people say, ask the alderman for a favor. Here's the only thing I want to ask the alderman to do, to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay, we're not asking for handouts here. We are self-supported church, amen? amen? We've always been that way. Over uh, close to a million dollars has come through our hands in the last year. God has been good to us. So we are dependent upon you, your sacrificial giving, your tithes, your offerings. What is a tithe? What does the Bible teach a tithe is? A tithe is the 10% you give of your total income. Okay? That means if you're in India and you have 10 chickens, you give one to the Lord. If you're here and you get a paycheck, when that paycheck comes in, they already took out their taxes, but you had a gross income. You get 10% out of that gross. You know why? Because Uncle Sam used to let you pay your taxes at the end of the year, but he couldn't trust us anymore. So he started taking them out while we got paid. But that gross is still what you made. Are you all tracking with me? So we tithe off that gross because that's our money. That's what we made. 10% of that. So we come to the Lord. We say, God, I want to be obedient. Malachi chapter 3. We're going to give the tithe. Now we have 90% left over. God says, that's yours. You be a good steward of that. And offering is when you look at that 90% and you say, God, what do you want me to give to you? Now, you might be real spiritual and pray about it all the time. And sometimes I just give to me. Just kind of like how when you want to get something to drink, you give to Starbucks, you give to the McDonald's. You don't think too much about that. But it seems when we come to church, we get all spiritual. Sometimes you just need to help out and give an offering to build a need. Are you all tracking with me? Okay. So tithes belongs to the Lord. Offering is what we feel led to give or what God tells us to give. I don't need him to tell me every five seconds what to give. I know what he's already told me to do, and I love supporting those things. Now let's keep going. It says, at this time, Metro Praise needs your generous help to do this one thing. Metro Praise Irving Park is raising 25000 for a bunch of things. Here, we just need one thing. We need to clear that past debt. Because where did that three, uh, two thousand and some dollars come from? That came from another account. That means Irving is in the negative now. So we need to clear that off. You take the twenty-six hundred minus the five thousand, you get right around twenty-four hundred dollars. You know what we want to do with that? We want to get some promotion out here to the to the community. Get some Red Eye magazine. That's the the article of the magazines that people read here. Get some uh, you know. You know, uh, advertisement put out there costs about eighteen hundred to get out there for a week. We want to make this a great church, so we need to clear off the debt and we need to move forward. Can somebody say Amen? Amen. amen. Your generosity and sacrificial giving will allow us to operate without budget cuts and living and live debt free. So this is very simple for this um, right here at, at Wicker Park. If the shekels don't come in, 
the doors get locked, we have to shut down the campus, okay? So let's just be real honest about that. I'm a church planner. God's called me to plant churches. Uh, this is what we do. So we're at this need right now. If we don't do this, that number stays red. We don't pay bills. It gets bad really quick. Look at your neighbor and say, Code Red. Code Red, code red happens really fast in a church plant, and we don't want that to happen. So therefore, I'm asking you to please consider being a giving partner. This is what it means for Metro Praise. We don't take this lightly. I don't sell holy water, and I don't promise you to be a millionaire at the end of your giving time, okay? This is what God asked us to do. We have a board. We have elders. We take this very serious, and we're asking you to trust us. If you want any time with a detailed outline of our expenditures, from what I make to what we spend on gas to electricity, we'll give that to you at any time. We have open bunks. Some of you have already received the giving reports. If you haven't and you feel you need one, uh, see Chris and he'll make sure you get one. We've been already handing them out today. But here's what we're asking you to do, to be a faithful tither. I think that's what we all should do. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. So I'm just going to use myself as an example. Uh, I make my money uh, by being a Bible college professor. My wife and I, we make about 26000 a year. I'm just sharing you for my example. I'm the pastor. I should be the first. So I just want you to understand. So my wife and I, we tithe about $2,600 a year. That's what we get, 10%. Now that comes out to be somewhere around $200 a month. So we would write right here to be a faithful tither, about $200 a month. Okay? So we're asking you to do that. Now, by the way, there's no place to put your name, your social security number, or your address for us to come find you. Because guess what? You're not even handing this in. You're keeping this. This is for you. We don't need to know it. That's between you and God. Amen? Amen? So we're trying to do this as above the board as we can. We don't even need to look at it. We believe you understand when we say we need it. We're going to ask you to go home and pray about it. Amen? Amen? Okay? So be a tither. Would you fill that in sometime in the next few moments? If you don't have a pen, we'll get you one. So you can do that and ask God to bless you with that. The next thing to be a supporter of missions. When you saw the increase, the greatest that we increased was in missions, do you know that that's our heart? Our heart is missions. Now think about this. If we don't have a place here, can we reach churches out there? No, no we can't. Brother, while I'm talking right, would you put up the website, go there to the missions and let them take a look at what we're doing. Just play that YouTube video without the volume, please. We've had the privilege over the last five years to help oversee 200 churches in five different locations of foreign nations. That means we have a location in northern India and southern India, Pakistan, Nigeria, and Nepal. Okay? God has blessed us with this. Christina was there. Are we telling the truth? Yes. They're awesome. They are just so humble. They love God. And so when my wife and I, we give our tithe, we always ask the Lord, God, what do you want us to give regularly to missions? Well, you know, you make $2,000 a month. You don't have a whole lot to give after your tithe. So what do we give? We give a couple hundred dollars. We give hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. We try to ask the Lord to guide us in that, okay? And that's what it goes to, is to these churches. Now, for you to understand what we're doing, could you get some books there for me too? All of the churches overseas use our name, and Southern India, Sudhi Patnam, they all use our name. They all use our books. They all use our strategies. They, if you went to one of their churches today, thank you. You would hear them say, love God, love people, welcome to Metro Praise. If you were in New Delhi, you would hear that today. And then these books are in their languages. We've just sent 500 of them uh, to Nigeria, and they've already been used. And as you're looking around here, this is what it looks like, okay? It's not like going even to the inner city of Chicago. There's nothing to compare it to. These people are desperate. They need the Lord. 
And our heart is always for these people. And when we talk about pastors and leaders, I want to show you, this is the man we're talking about. Pastor Neil is in charge of the Delhi churches. He oversees about uh, 20 pastors, okay? And in just a few moments, you're going to see the pastors that work with them. So 50 churches and about 17 pastors, and we already have more joining with us. And this is important to us. So we'd ask that you would help us with that. Now, lastly, is where we're at right here. If you could put that other slide up, thank you. To be a giver to the building fund, okay? So what this means for my wife and I, you know, we don't make a lot, but we ask God to do something through us that God may not necessarily do for us. See, a lot of times we pray, God, do this for me. Bless this, you know, bless my house, bless my job. And a lot of times God does. But have you ever prayed for God to do something through you? Not just for you, but through you. God, would you use me to give something great to the missions? God, would you use me to help pay off this debt in the building fund? That's what I want to ask us to do. Not just say, God, do something for me. God, do something through me. And let me tell you how it usually works in my family. Um, if the number doesn't scare me, that means I haven't heard from God. It's usually I just thought of that myself because I looked at the bank account. But when I get that kind of feeling when I pray, I'm like, whoo. Uh, God, that's not you. Uh, <laughs> Satan, leave me now. Leave me now. When I get that number that makes me feel like, whoa, whoa, that's cool. Can't do that. That usually is a confirmation. Hey, that's God talking. You know why? It's because God wants to do big things through us. He wants to do things for us, but he also wants to do things through us and to use us for his glory. So would you, would you pray about being a faithful tither? Would you pray about supporting missions? And then be a giver to the building fund. You might say, Pastor, do you want us to fly as well? I mean, this is a lot to ask. If we don't do it today, who's going to do it? God is a God of miracles. Now, let me give you something about the, the, the culture we live in right now. Do you know how much we just spent on the Christmas holidays as Americans? $10 billion, $100 billion, $200 billion. you know how much we just spent over the holidays in the recession? Over $426 billion, up 4% from last year. You know what? Unemployment is down now. It's a three-year a three -year, a low. It's down. They say we may come out of it. I don't care what happens in the kingdoms of this world. I'm just telling you, there are people here around us, whether it's you or people around you on your job. We still have it. It can go through us. We can ask God to do it. Amen? And guess where they do tithe today? They still tithe in India. Remember, they got a lot less than what you saw at church that they tithe. They tithe in Nigeria, and they still do great things out there. Let's do it here. Amen? Now, here's where it goes to. Let me just encourage you with this right here. Here's where I went to last year. Uh, Irving Campus, we had over 400 for Easter, almost 500, more like that number. We went to two services, and they're basically about full now. God is showing up. The Wicker Park Campus, ta-da, here we are. That was awesome. Uh, we purchased camera staging lights, and everything here is brand new, from this to the artwork to everything brand new. Uh, God has blessed us with new things, outreaches. We outreached four times to the Boricua Fest, that's the Puerto Rican Festival, to the Taste of Chicago, to the Rid Fest, to the Gay Pride Fest, to the Islamic Fest. And let me just tell you something about this church if you don't know it. We have 10 life groups that meet throughout the week. One of them is here at Wicker Park. Do you know that an hour before any life group, they go out evangelizing? So that means there's 10 times we are evangelizing for an hour. Then there's a Saturday evangelism, two for the youth at Irving Park, one of the youth here at Wicker Park. Do you know that there, and one before Wednesday, there's over 15 hours 
different times of evangelism from this church. That's more outreach in one week than some churches do in a lifetime. Can somebody say amen? Come on. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's what this church does. People like yourself making a difference. But when they go out there, they're not handing out some raggedy old thing they print off at their house. They're giving people a nice life, handing out hot chocolates, giving out things to the young people. They're going to do a, a, a Modern Warfare 3 video game tournament here. We're always outreaching. Amen? Amen. Also, we took a week-long mission trip to New Orleans this year with some of you. And a week in Ohio Park, that's a neighborhood that we adopted for Irving. And guess where we want to adopt here? Right down the road. Uh, they're on Milwaukee right after Division. There's some Section 8 housing there, and we want to take ownership of that. Go out there, do some sidewalks, Sunday schools, bring those kids over here, give them something good, and teach them about Jesus. Amen? Yeah. That's all we did. Revolution, 40 churches in Delhi with 20 pastors. DJ Awana, 65 churches, 40 pastors. Pakistan, 75 churches, 40 pastors. Nigeria, 5 churches, 5 pastors. Nepal, 50 churches, 15 pastors, over 200 churches, and 120 pastors. Amen. That's what God is doing through our mission monies. Elders and deacons, we've increased to 25 elders and deacons in total. And right now, going through our one-on-one book, including people here at Wicked, we're proud of this guy here and others that are doing it. We have right now 44 people going through the one-on-one -on -one book, and we have 25 going through this. You put the elders and deacons together, we have 94 accounted disciples in this church right now. Can we say amen for that? Amen. Now, here's our goals moving forward and why we want you to believe in this vision and to support us, okay? Here's what we're asking you to believe in. We're believing that this year, the Irving campus is going to go to 200 disciples. Let me just help you right here. Those, I see some of you came there as well. You know how many people walked through that door this morning? 200 people. If they all just signed up and became disciples, that would be done just like that. Amen? Yeah. And we want to see those services just get full and continue to grow. Maybe even start a Sunday night there as well. Saturday, continue to grow services. With your part, that's you guys. We want to see 50 disciples here. We got about five. Let's times that by 10. Let's spread like wildfire out here. Amen. Let's multiply this year. I believe that we can. You might say, Pastor, that's crazy. We started with zero in our house. Here we are now. That was crazy. Amen. But God did it because God is crazy to us. He says with the wisdom of the world, he makes it look foolishness because his wisdom is not according to the world. Amen. Revolution, I want to go for 50,000 and double all of our efforts because like Christina will tell you and anybody who knows anything about the country, some of you came from other countries, nations. You know the needs just get bigger and bigger every year. It is not pretty over there, guys. You think our recession is something, look at what they have to go through. It is continual lack of medical care, lack of education, lack of food. I mean, I get the prayer report, reports from all of our pastors, from all of them. You know what they're always saying? Pray for us for healing. Pray for us to feed our people. Pray for us to have a facility to grow it out of it. I want to double those efforts. I believe that we can. I want to go to a half a million in total giving. You know why? Quarter of a million last year. Guess what? That was about half the people giving. How about this year? Everybody gave. We could go to about half a million just like that. Come on. Half a million can happen just like that if the other half would just give. There's about 400 people already that call Metro Praise their church. They don't show up all the time. They're not faithful. But, oh, man, something goes wrong in their life. They expect us to be there. Just imagine if that half right now just said, we're going to pitch in and we're going to do our part, let alone the new people. God can do an amazing thing. 
And then you know why we want to do this? Because we're graduating 12 SUM students this year. And I want the SUM students to stand up. Come on. Come on, let's give it up for them right here. what they've been doing. SUM is a three-year accredited Bible college, not a Bible institute, not a Bible class. This is federal funded grants, loans, accredited. This is the real deal. Three-year bachelor's of arts degree in biblical studies. They've given their heart for it. They've given their life for it. They're about ready to graduate. Okay? Now you think to yourself when you graduate from college, would you want a job? Would you want an opportunity? You know what we want to do with that extra half a million? It's not Joe get a Lamborghini and come here in an SUV. It's put these guys on staff. Let's start giving them some part-time money and then get them full-time and allow them to tell their job, thank you, but now these boots are made for walking. That's just what they're going to do. I think it's time that we do. It's been seven years. My wife and I have been plowing through this thing. The Bible says the workmen are worthy of hire. They serve, most of them, 35, 40 hours a week without any pay, thus they have to work a part-time job and go to school at the same time. This is some serious business, and I want you, as well as my family, to commit to pray for them, ask God for strength, and let's believe for these resources to come in, because I know you and I have been to churches where they pay their staff. We're not hating, we're just telling it as it is, and they don't work half as hard as these guys do. So it's time that Metro Praise prospers so we can give these guys the finances that they deserve from working and serving and getting their education. Amen? Amen. 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 That, that is my heart. Lord, now I see some parents here. Now you know where I'm coming from. My wife will tell you, we pray for them often. We're not one to take advantage of free labor. We want them to find a place in the ministry, make a living, raise their kids, and whatever God has done for me, we want God to do double for them. Amen. Just like a parent would want to do, because these these uh, youth, young adults have become sons and daughters of the ministry and as we grow it's time for us to get back to them. Amen? Amen. And so that's just what we believe in and that we want to believe God to get some new Ashton students that are going to come along the way. We believe that they're already in the church. Got an application here in my back pocket from this one right there. Let's give it up for Jerry. <laughs> Because we want to give the devil double, uh, give the devil double for his trouble. Amen. Amen. We want to just multiply our efforts against him. I don't just want to be on the defensive. I want to pick a fight with him and knock him out. Amen. 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 Some of you are already coming saying, when can I start a life group? When can I do this? That's what we're here for. Amen. So thank you for everything you've done. And whatever you can do now moving forward, we thank you for in advance and your partnership with us. Because my wife and I, we started with nothing. We're here now with a whole lot more than nothing. And we want to be faithful to that. Amen. 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 Thank you. Let's uh, prepare to receive our tithes and offerings as we get ready. Uh, to do that, and uh, we'll put this up today, but I just want you to know that whatever you give and every whatever you feel led to give, it's to the Lord. 
we got a new drop box that's right here. That means before and after service, you can just drop it in the, uh, the drop box you're tied up on your offerings, ties and offerings. And by the way, just to show you how this works, because it's the beginning of the year, but I'll share with everybody. Once you fill out your name one time, we got you from there by the address. So all you got to do is put your name after that. You have to put your name and address every time. Your tithe obviously goes there. Offering, uh, you can designate it towards the building or to the missions or towards both. And this is at any time, any time, whether you ever put anything in it. You want to put a prayer request for us to know, just write a prayer request, put it in the offering or in a drop box, and you got our prayers. Amen? And we also have online giving. Ellie, would you just show that real quick? Really simple. You go there. I don't like to carry cash anymore. I'm just totally cashless now. So about a third of our church goes online, so I'd like to show you that real quick. You just scroll on down. You'll see support. You click on it, and then there's just links. It says secure as anything that is secure online. Okay, we go through PayPal. You can give uh, one-time gifts to tithe. You can have repeating gifts, where it just takes it out just like it went out of your paycheck uh, towards your bills or anything like that, direct pay. One-time mission gifts, repeating mission gifts, and then going on down the same thing for one-time building fund and the other uh, thing, repeating building fund. And, of course, we're 501c3 tax exempt. Okay, so if you ever need your reports at any time, we'll get them to you. And like I just want to say, we, we take this serious, and we're going to be faithful with it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today uh, for bringing us to this church, God. Uh, the report, God, is amazing of what you've done. In short, you've been amazing. You have showed up, God, and you have showed off. We are in awe of your glory. All the lives that have been changed, all the places the gospel's been spread. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, God. And now, Lord, I ask you to bless your people. God, we know money doesn't grow on trees, and it's not smiles and handshakes that, God, pay our light bills. God, it's hard work and people rewarding us for it in the form of paychecks and income. So, Lord, I ask you to increase that income in your people this year. I ask you to first by bless our nation. Help us get out of recession. Let the Congress deal with this $4 trillion debt, God, that they're trying to negotiate through, God, in Congress. Let it be settled, Lord. And God, we pray for locally here from Mayor Rob Emanuel and the other leaders here that businesses will come to Chicago. You'll take away corruption. And Lord, you'll bless your people here. And Lord, we pray for our children, that you'll protect them and keep them safe and give them good health. And that to our children's children, you'll bless them. And Lord, not only for our children, but for the nations of the world, many of them are at war, sectarian violence against Islam, communism, North Korea, now having Kim Jong-il's son take over, possibly even a worse dictator. God, you see all of these issues, and God, we lift up them to you now. You said, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. And so, Lord, we lift up these nations, and we say, let your will be done in them. Raise up godly leaders, and the ones you've given us, and Nepal, Pakistan, India, Nigeria, save these nations, God. Protect them. Let them grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, because just as Western civilization was built upon the truth of Christianity, these nations can be built on the truth of Christianity, because it's not in money we trust, but in God we trust. And it's not one nation under a constitution or a bunch of laws. It's one nation under God. And God, we now just ask you to bless this, that which we give now. Multiply it and increase it. 
In Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen? Amen. amen. Let's say what Paul said. Here's our plan for 2012. Philippians 4.19. 1, 2, 3. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. We're going to uh, pass around the offering and give you a cool video to watch. So we're doing all offerings in the Dropbox, basically. But watch this video. Some of you don't have seen all that we do. Charity. 
You know, when it comes to Haiti, the relief work that they did out there, or to Katrina, you know, the people look up to those coming out there. And their church does more than the Red Cross, my friends. It's the Church of Jesus Christ building the orphanages, giving out the drinking water, handing out the food. I was there in Katrina, and they said if it wasn't for the Christians, we wouldn't have had anything. Millions of dollars came from the evangelical community. Education. We look up to real smart people. You ever heard of Sir Isaac Newton? He was pretty smart. Do you know he wrote more about the Bible than he did about physics? He was an awesome man, very smart. We need the educational world to be Christian again. You ever heard of this school, Harvard? How about Princeton? How about, you know, guess what? They were all Bible colleges. Maybe you didn't know that. Ivy League colleges were all Bible colleges. Had to take a degree in theology to graduate. You know what Darwin's degree was? He was degreed in theology. You see, that's how it was back then. Even the man who came up with evolution. We need to take over education again. Amen? And business, uh, this is supposed to say community, because community work is where we see the difference made. There's a community center right here, and there's other community centers that are around this city, and we need to be at the top of that mountain. And then the last one is missions. I guarantee you, if you're one of those people in a lost uh, lost nation or a people group that hasn't been reached, you're looking up to missionaries showing up. Amen? And so out of these mountains of influence, I want you to see and find your mountain. There are some mountains that all of us will have a place in. We can't get away from our family. We're all going to be their church. But as we get more specific into this series, I want you to begin to find your mountain and say, God, I want to stand on that mountain. Now, what does influence mean? Influence means a characteristic about you that affects people either positively or negatively. How many know there's people who can affect us negatively and have a bad influence on us? You ever been around a smoker? They begin to give you secondhand smoke. That's a bad influence. You ever been around somebody who cusses? They begin to put those cuss words in your mind and you do it without even thinking. But how about some people who love to pray? You ever hung out with those people? They get you praying. How about people who love to praise? They get a praise attack out of the line. Oh, hallelujah. You start praising along with them. You don't even know what we're praising. You start getting around the right people. You can make an influence. How about in the business world? What about instead of having greedy, corrupt people, we have Christian people? Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby, we'll teach you about it. When we get to it, you know if they close their businesses on Sunday, they're teaching their people, put God and family first. Still bless the business. They do more business in six days than the companies they're competing with do in seven days. You see, what we want to do is do it God's way, find our place of influence, and make it a positive one. Amen? Amen. Now, this is the book we got it from. If anybody knows the idea, uh, where we got the ideas from, if anybody knows Bill Johnson, those guys in uh, Bethany, uh, Bethel and, uh, and, and Jesus Culture, this was a book that was recommended to me by somebody, and it's called uh, Turn Your World Upside Down, and, and it gives these principles. And I put a couple extra in here, but if you want to follow along, I recommend just pick up the book. You can get it on Amazon, a couple dollars, plus shipping and handling. It will bless you. So Matthew 28. 18 and onward. Here's where we're at today. If you're ready, can you say, I'm ready? Ready. Amen. We want to be disciples. I believe the mountain of the church is discipleship. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So who has all authority in heaven and on earth? Jesus. Amen. He has it all. Does he have this part of it and then Allah has the other part? No. Does Buddha get a quarter of it? No. Who has all of it? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Do you know Jesus? Anybody here know Jesus? Amen. Amen. You've got some authority because he's hanging out with you. Amen. Amen. He says, therefore, go and make church members on Sunday. No. 
Is that what he says? No. Therefore, I just go out there and do a good job and tell everybody I love them because I'm like the Barney of religion. No. Is that what he says? No. He says, go out there and make what? Disciples. Disciples of what? Just America, Puerto Rico, maybe, maybe Mexico? No. He says, of how many nations? All nations. All nations. So why is Metro Praise about discipleship? Connect Metro Sent? Because Jesus is about discipleship. Why are we about the nations? Jesus is about the nations. Let me tell you something. If you're not about the discipleship and about the nations, Jesus doesn't care what you're about right now because he said, seek first my kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. So this is what Jesus wants you to focus on, discipleship and the nations. But I'm a businessman, focus on discipleship and the nations. But I'm a mother, focus on discipleship and the nations. That's what he wants us to do. I don't have enough time to go into American history. That's what our forefathers did for freedom of religion. They established the Bible colleges. They came here and made God the priority. The first, the first textbook in the schools was the Bible. Are you listening to me? That was the first textbook because they said this is why we're here. It's to make disciples, build the kingdom of God. And God used that to build America. And now what do we trust in? Money? Now we trust in popularity. Everybody wants to be a reality star. How's that working for us? How's Jersey Shore working for our culture right now? Is it doing all right? How about Mob Wives? Is it doing any better? How's Oprah Winfrey done with her, you know, new age movement that just tells us God is energy and energy flows out of all of us? Is that helping our communities? Is that helping our people? It's not. You live in a community, let me just share with you about Chicago. You live in a community that's seen more murders than most cities around the country. You live in a community with more drug abuse and crime than most cities in the country. More corruption in politics. How many of our governors now are, are in jail, about to be in jail? At least two that we already know of, right? And right now, we are the most secular and non-Christian that we've ever been. You think there's something going on here? You think there's something we should remember? When we took the Bible Bibles out of church, uh, Bibles out of school, and took the prayer out, what did we praise it with? Metal detectors and school Bibles. There was never a Columbine before that. In the 50s, did anybody show up shooting the teachers and everybody? We have seen the degradation of a culture when you take God out. You know why? You teach young people that came from animals, they're going to act like animals. You teach people that came from God, they're going to act like children of God. Monkey see, monkey do. You are what you think. You, you think of, 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 of an animal, you're going to act like one, and that's what's happened. So what do we need to do here in our society? We need to get back up on the mountain of church and stop being about money, stop being about big buildings and caring about what the Pope has to say. We need to take over the mountain and make it a mountain of discipleship. Amen? Let natural praise be on that mountain again. Instead of people looking down at the church because this one got caught having a homosexual affair with a prostitute while doing crystal meth and the world just mocks and laughs at us. And the other bishop, he just left, his, left the ministry because his wife divorced him and three people accused them of sexual immorality and there were three boys. Are you listening to me? And some of the people in the cults are looking down at the church. They need to see people like you and look up to the church and say they may not be perfect, but they're disciples. Amen. They're serving Jesus Christ. That's who we want to be like. He said, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? There's the triune God. He's one name, the name, not names, plural, the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. The baptism is a public sign of your inward confession. You come in an altar, you accept Christ, 
That's between you and the Lord. The baptism says now before the world, I confess Christ. And the symbology of that baptism, you come in dry, just like you come in the world of sinner. You stand halfway in the water, and a point of decision, part of you is wet, part of you is dry. And then you make a confession, and they dump you down. You go into a grave, and you bury your sin, and you come up soaking wet. So baptism symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection, what God did in your life. You come in as a sinner. You stand at a point of decision. You confess the Lord. You're buried, and then you're resurrected a new person. Has anybody here been born again and baptized? Amen. Baptism is exciting. And guess what we do at the winter retreat, baby? We do baptism. I'm really excited about baptism. Last year, we baptized so many people. They said, what did you do to the carpet? It's soaking wet. Did you splash the water everywhere? I said, we baptized 34 people here. That's why they kept coming out dripping water. He said, baptize them. And he said, teach them uh, to obey just the simple things, the, the nice things that I've told you. Is that what it says? Oh. Y'all ain't looking at your Bible. You're not ready to believe that. So you got to bring the Bible. What if, I, what if I put the wrong scripture on the screen? You wouldn't know what you're about. Give your pastor a back row after service. Again. <laughs> Teaching them to obey what? Everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Did Jesus talk about prayer? Then we need to teach it. You need to obey it. Amen. Did Jesus talk about giving? Yes. Then you need to teach it and others need to obey. See, we're all here to get involved in that. Amen. Well, don't you judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Judging would be, I don't like, you know, your color of shoes. I don't like your color of, of outfit. That's personal opinion. Most people, you know, opinions, everybody has them. And they're like uh, armpits. Everybody has two. And most of the time, they stink. I'm not telling you my stinky opinion. I'm telling you what the Word of God said. He commanded you to get married, not live in adultery. He commanded you to give and not to be greedy. He said you can't serve two masters, God and money. He told you to pray and to seek Him in a quiet place. He told you to love your enemies. He told you that if you lusted in your heart after another, it was the same sin of adultery. He told you to turn the other cheek. And guess what? A true disciple's going to live it and then tell it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Praise God. And he says, surely I'm with you always until the very end of the age. It's not a long message today, but here's the crux of it. There's a mountain, and religious people are going to stand on that mountain, and people are going to look up to them. Some look up to the Dalai Lama, some look up to the Pope. But I think it's time that the church of Jesus Christ gets up on that mountain and has people look up to disciples. Let me just share with you a couple things. Disciples aren't perfect, but they're striving for it. Let me tell you the difference between a hypocrite and a disciple. The hypocrite and the disciple both might make the same mistake. Okay? There may be a young man or a young woman here. You might have struggled with sexual immorality this week. Okay? But let me tell you, the hypocrite pretends it never happened, doesn't deal with it. The disciple repents whenever somebody's in a private conversation or an honest inquiry or honest about it. Yeah, I've messed up, but I've made it right. You see, the hypocrite pretends they have no problems. See, that's the hypocrite. Because a lot of people say, you know what? I don't like the church because there's a lot of hypocrites in there. And I totally get it. And they don't understand that the difference between a hypocrite and a real disciple is the real disciple saying, yes, I've made mistakes, but I'm changing. And that's what God wants us to be. You see, if I come to you today and I go, yeah, I lose my, my temper sometimes. And then you see Chris and I get into a little argument and I raise my temper. Am I a hypocrite? I've already told you that's my battle. Now if I slapped him upside his head and pushed him and kicked him while he's down, now that's a problem. Now here's the thought. What if I told you I had a problem beating people up? <laughs> well, 
I'm not a hypocrite, but I can't be an elder because an elder can't be quick to violence, the Bible says. So, you see, the idea is, is being the one that God calls you to be, being honest about that and letting him change you. I think the greatest thing you and I can do is tell the world who we are and how God is being good in us. Amen? Amen. So God is dealing with my temper. You can ask my wife. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. She traveled with me. I didn't lose my temper too much. Just not yet. Disagree. Disagree. Never agree. Just agree. And so the idea is we're going to be these disciples, okay? Let me give you one more scripture, and then I'll give you a few points before we close out here today. Turn with me to John chapter 8. Why do you want to be a disciple? Why is it good to be on that mountain of influence? Jesus said, you're a city on a hill. You're a light into the world. You're salt to the earth. Why does God want you to be a leader on this earth? Well, I'll show you right now. It makes a big difference. John chapter 8, verse 31, and it's supposed to say 32. To the Jews who had believed in him. Jesus is talking to Jews who had believed in him. Is there anybody here that believes in Jesus? Can I see a hand? Come on, can I see a hand in the church? Okay, you're awesome because you believe in God. But can I tell you who else believes in God? The devil believes in God. Demons, the Bible says, believes in God. Right? Most folks believe in God. A lot of people believe in God. Look what Jesus says to those who believe in God. He doesn't just go, hey, you believe in me. Ooh, I can go to bed tonight and feel good about myself. I believe I can fly. Boy, man, you just believe in me. I was watching uh, the elf story, you know, and, the, and, and you know, uh, uh, Santa Claus did, you know, with Will Ferrell. The Santa Claus doesn't have enough belief in his little sleigh to fly. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody see it? It's a funny movie, right? But so they're like, we got to believe in Santa. we got to believe in Santa. I believe in Santa. He doesn't make you. He gave you a free will, and he asks you to come to him. 
But if you don't come to him, you will get your wish. You will spend eternity away from him. And that's called hell. Lay the fire, a bottomless pit. You never touch the bottom. Imagine falling. You felt it in a dream and it terrified you. Imagine it all the time, always falling, pitch blackness, bottomless pit into a lake of fire, gnashing your teeth out of the pain, worms crawling in and out of your flesh, and remembering who he was. Because the last thing you saw before you were kicked out of his presence was his feet as you confessed him, Lord. Because every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, confess it and confess it as Lord, and then they'll be sent to hell if they didn't repent. Are you listening to me? Hell is real. Amen? Okay, so hear me today. He said to the Jews who believe, you believe. Now here's the deal. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Think this is the teaching of God. You hold to it. You hold to it. Don't try to take this out of my hand. I want you to get angry. Take it out my hand. You can't take it out my hand. I dare you to try to take this out of my hand. I dare you. Don't play with me. Try to take it out of my hand. We'll bust this in your Secular media will call you a bunch of boobs and nincompoops. They're going to say you're dumb. The science is going to say they already proved you came from a monkey 13.5 billion years ago. You hold to Jesus' teachings. Morality is going to change like sifting sand, like just water going down the, the, the streets. It is just going to flow the easiest direction. Homosexuality is okay. Before you know it, the age of consent is going to be lowered, and they're going to allow polygamy in this nation if they don't stop. It is going to become a cesspool of immorality in this nation, my friends. It happened to the Roman Empire. It happened here again. The Roman soldiers could carry sex, uh, could have boys with them for sexual favors, and the kings and the queens would have immorality, and they allowed it down at this nation. It doesn't change. It will go the same way. Are you listening to me? But you hold to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that you're a true disciple. So anybody can play make-believe. Jesus didn't come to make believers. He came to make disciples. Belief is how we're saved. Now, I thank God for salvation. So when people do believe in the Jesus of the Bible, it's not my works. They are saved instantly. But now he says, now that you believe, you hold to these teachings. You don't let go of them. Amen? Amen? What's the benefit? Here it is. It didn't have to be a benefit, but he gives us a benefit. He said, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sixteen years since I smoked and drank. Sixteen years since I cursed. Sixteen years since I had sex outside of marriage. I could keep a list going all day long. Sixteen years since I drank caffeine because it was an addictive substance to my life. Are you all listening to me right here? Uh, 16 years since I've gotten to a fight. All of these things Jesus Christ set me free from. Not 12 steps, one step to Jesus Christ. I was a high school dropout. I was arrested eight times. I was a fornicator. I was a drug dealer. I was an abuser of women. I was an abuser of drugs and substances. Jesus Christ set me free. He'll set you free right now. That's the benefit of being a disciple. You hold on to the teachings of Christ. He will set you free. You will live in this world full of Jesus Christ, full of his glory. Amen? And you tell them to kick down the heat because I feel the fire of God up in here. I'm about to sweat myself into a puddle right here. I want to show it to you very quickly. This is how it works, man. Here it is. This is not the only way we're not a call. We, you go to another church, find a way, that's fine. I just want to tell you something here real quick about this. 
George Varda wrote a book called Growing Truth Disciples. George Varda is a Christian statistician. Like Gallup poll, the secular polls, George Varda does Christian polls, okay? Growing True Disciples is the name of his book. We teach it in Bible college. He did a statistical analysis. You know how many churches in America right now have discipleship programs for you to grow in your faith, memorize scripture, be accountable, learn from other people, be uh, in a growing relationship? You know how many? Out of 100 or out of 10, it's only 80%. That means 8 out of 10, only 80, or excuse me, only 2 out of 10, only uh, 20 out of 100. That means 80% of the churches in America today have stopped making disciples. Now just let that settle in for a minute, okay? What does that mean? What church is offering you right now is a good thing on Sunday and maybe something to do during the week. And I'm going to tell you why they came up with it, because I know pastors, okay? Pastors are good people. Well, let me tell you what they thought about. They said, okay, maybe not in these words, but this is what they said. They go, okay. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach to you for about 20 minutes, tell you a few jokes, show you a couple of videos, and then you drop something in the offering. And so you take care of me, wink, wink, and I'm going to take care of you. And so when you come, I'm going to tell you for 20 minutes how awesome you are. I'm going to make you laugh, tell you some jokes, make you giggle a little bit. And I'm going to give you a couple pointers on how to be a better you and enjoy your Fridays. Because make every day a Friday, because that's all you want in life. And you know what the pastors did? They said, we're just going to tell the people what they want, what itching ears want to hear. And then the people said, we want to find teachers that tell what just itching, what our itching ears want to hear. And so now in the church, they don't use the word sin. They just say, you've got issues. you got issues. Let me tell you, you've got more than issues. You've got sin in your life. And what they try to tell you is you're okay. You just need to work on some stuff. No, you don't. You're a sinner dead in your unrighteousness and your wickedness. And if you die without Christ, the wrath of God is against you. And they don't want to call you lost. They just want to say you're unchurched. You know, you just come to our church, you'll be okay. You're not unchurched. You are a sinner. That's who you are. And then here's the thing. They don't want to tell you about a God of judgment. They want to tell you about a God of blessing. Now, you might say, Pastor, okay, get off your high horse and tell me what this means. Let me help you and tell you what this means. Two out of ten churches are only doing discipleship. Okay? Everybody tracking with me? Mm -hmm. The other eight out of ten are not. What does that result in? He did a survey. Divorce. Uh, sex outside of marriage. Addiction to substances homosexuality, abortion, about 10 hot issues of morality. Guess what he found in these churches? The same stats of what's outside of the church. Just as much divorce as they have out there, is as much divorce as happening inside the church. Just as much as people having abortions out there, just as much as happening in the church. Just as much as people dealing with same-sex attraction out there, dealing with it inside the church. The fact that we have disrespected Jesus' way of climbing the mountain of church, we are now suffering the, the penalties for it. And today I want to ask you a question. Here it is in closing. I'm going to make this real brief to you in closing. Do you want to be a disciple or do you want to be something else? Okay? Because Jesus Christ, he was here for three years, from the age of 30 to 33. He had one opportunity on his life to make the biggest impact he could. Did he start a Christian rock band and get a bunch of people to come to concerts? Did he start doing the balloon ministry and start making little angels and go, here you go, here's a picture of a balloon angel? What did Jesus do for three years when he could have the biggest impact? He made disciples. He followed Peter, his brother Andrew, and he said, guys, come and follow me. I'm going to make you fishermen, fishers of men. He saw James and John, and he said, come and follow me. I'm going to teach you. 
how to win the nations. He followed, he had people following him. He taught them. And in Matthew 28, what we just read is him sending them out. Can you say amen? Amen. Here's what it, uh, I'll skip over these questions today. I don't, just don't have time. But I want you to see this. It's in our book. And by the way, our books are online for free. But uh, here's what it looks like when you want to track it out through the Bible. In the Old Testament, Elisha, he was a guy just chilling. Guess what? Elijah walked up to him and said, hey, man, you want to come follow me? I'm going to teach you some cool things about God. Elijah said, I'm good for it. Let's go. For, so for the years following, Elisha would wash Elijah's hands, take care of him. Guess what? Guess what? When Elijah went to heaven, Elisha stayed on the earth, was a prophet unto God, did twice as much as Elijah did. Hello, somebody. That's connect, connect said. He could, Elijah connected unto God. Then he mentored him, taught him all he knew about God. And then he sent him out to share the world, the word of God to the world. How about Peter and Jesus? Jesus connects to Peter, spends three years with Peter, and then he sends out Peter to make disciples. What about Timothy and Paul? You ever wonder where he came from? He was raised by his grandmother and his mother in Derby. Paul met him on one of his journeys, led him to the Lord. He said, man, you want to follow me as I follow Christ? Timothy said, sure, I want to do it. He spent years developing him. He left him in Ephesus. He pastored the Ephesian people. And that's where you get the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy. Paul, the father of the faith, to my spiritual son Timothy, do these following things. You see, discipleship has been a part of the church ever since it was started. And I want to be that 20% this year that make disciples. Amen? Amen? Here's how it looks in Metro Praise. Like I said, this is not the only way. But this is the way that we felt God gave it to us. Now, here's what it looks like for us. Why? Because when my wife and I started this and we were praying, we were saying, how can we make the biggest impact with just the least amount of time? Well, here's how it is. Join a life group. Connect. Get a part of somebody's life. Stop being by yourself all the time. Share life together. Find prayer partners. I don't care if you're 100 years old or 15 years old. Get involved in a life group. Share life with somebody. Our life group here meets on Tuesdays. So here's what your life looks like in this busy 21st century where we're so busy going to hell and ruining our families and giving ourselves heart attacks, okay? Because it's sure worth it, right? Okay, here's what we do. We put on the brakes. We go to church on Sunday. And then you find a life group. Is that too hard? Yeah. We go to church on Sunday and you find a life group. <laughs> <laughs> you go to church on Sunday and you find a life group. Guess what? The next part here is then you get into the class. The one-on-one. When, do, when does Chris do the one-on-one? Whenever you can. One-on-one. You go through this book whenever you can do it. Guess what? He'll meet with you Tuesday before life group. How's that sound? Makes it real simple. Come early before the life group, go through the book, do life group, bam, you're done. Why is it important? Because we want you to be trained up in the things of God. Did you go to school and learn some things to be successful in life? Did you get trained on your job to be successful in life? How about this? Has anybody trained you to be successful in Christianity yet? Can we do that? Amen. Can we help you make that greatest decision of your life stick and grow deep in you? We care about it. Amen. And then when you graduate the 101, you keep going to your life group, but you get into 201, and guess what it needs? It needs right before Sunday, now at 3.30. So what does your life look like? I go to Sunday, I go to life group. Go to Sunday, I go to life group. And then when, when I go to life group, I can do the 101. And, and then when I'm done with the 101, I still go to Sunday and life group. But then I go to the 201 before Sunday. So it's still Sunday and what? Life group. You, you, don't, you don't get so complicated. Everybody gets Sunday and what? Life group. And then guess what happens? You get sent out. Now you get to do the one-on-one. 
You can do it before a life group. You can do it at the church. And then guess what? You get to start your own life group. You don't go to the one on Tuesday. You can start one on Friday. And then you can lead a ministry. And you might call. You might be radical. And you might say, I go to church on Sunday. I go to life group on Tuesday. I can do something else. Yes, you can. You can turn the prison ministry. You can help us adopt the blood. You can be a part of the youth ministry. You can pick a ministry. And you just won't show up. You'll be trained. Because you know what? I like to fly. I like to fly. Everybody else like to fly. I love to fly. If I can fly, if people ask me if you could be a pastor and do anything else, what would you want to do? I want to fly. I want to fly jets. I want to be a top gun. Amen. That's me, top gun. I would love to do it. But guess what? I don't go up to the pilot, you know, before I get on the plane. Hey guys, you need any help in there? No. Can I just help you fly this plane? Hey man, I just love to fly. They help scheme to me. I'll be out here to do this. And that's how people come to church. Hey man, you need any help? Well, why don't you get trained first? We don't want you stumbling over what you're doing out there. Come and get trained. We don't want somebody teaching a life group that don't know the Trinity, that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know Holy. So just like that, I don't believe you guys. You might have a healthy eye just like to fly. Come take church a little more seriously. Go to church on Sunday. Join a life group. Get a part of the discipleship. Amen? Amen. I want to show you a video that I think, and you might get a little upset with me, but I think I can show you a video that only is like three minutes that can save a whole entire message that I just said. Okay? <laughs> so I could have just played the message. We could have just prayed and went home, and maybe some of you would have been happier about that. But I want you to watch this video. I didn't make this video, but I think it says it all right here. Y'all ready? Okay, let's watch this video. Let's enjoy it. Get ready, it's going to change your life. You'll never be the same.
time that we have together normally is not that long, but I had to go through those reports. We have one opportunity in this life to give our best to God. Not old, but I got some gray hair. But I've been around 16 years, 14 of it in ministry. I've seen big churches, small churches. If I had to sum up what I've learned from the Methodists to people who have made a difference in this world, I would pick this, discipleship. 100 million Christians right now, think this, 100 million, a third of the population of America is in China right now from the efforts of the last 50 years. You know why? Because they've made disciples. They may not have big churches. Most of them are underground. They meet in homes smaller than this. They'd probably fit 200 people in here. Unbelievably, they would. But they make disciples. Christina was with me in Nepal making disciples. Nepal is becoming another China. Revival is spreading there. You ever hear this saying in America, the Bible Belt? How do you think that Bible Belt came about? It was Methodist circus, circuit preachers who began to start multiple churches. And as they started multiple churches, they would go and circuit preach. They would preach four and five times a day. And what would they leave when they got done? They would leave disciples because there were so many churches, they didn't have enough pastors. So they began to start holy clubs. These holy clubs that the Methodists started were the places where the believers met together. Sounds like Acts 42 through 47. They continued in the apostles' teachings daily. They met house to house. They broke bread together. They prayed in the temple courts. The Lord added to their number daily. Do I see the church today in America at the top of that mountain? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. When was the last time you heard somebody on your job go, man, I just look up to those pastors so much. Man, I look up to those guys. Well, when was the last time somebody in your job said, you know what, Christians, well, those, those are the best workers that I have. They are those Christians. They come early, stay late. They're hard workers. They're honest. I think the name of Christ has been run through the mud so much in this culture that you go out to these streets and about two seconds and you open up that door and say, hey, guy, I'm a Christian. They're liable to swear and take his name in vain because the name of the Lord is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of how God's people live. Jesus had three years to make the greatest impact. What did he do? He said, I'm going to make disciples. Was Peter perfect? No, Peter got called Satan. Peter fell when he tried to walk on water. Peter denied him three times, but he was a disciple because disciples don't quit. They come back the next week. They ask for forgiveness. They do it again. Before we close out here today, I want to tell you just two stories that might encourage you. Anybody ever hear of D.L. Moody? Yeah. How about that? Anybody ever hear of D.L. Moody? He owns the, the Bible college that he started, owns about half the lakefront out there, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. You know what D.L. Moody was? Sold shoes, shoe salesman. You know his story? He got on fire for God, 1800s. He's selling shoes. He said, man, I got to do something. Most of the poor people at that time lived by the lakefront. So he said, I'm going to start getting these kids to come out. I'm going to teach them about Jesus. He said, you know what? If you guys come for a year, I'll take your attendance. You do it for a year, I'll buy you a new suit. He said, he bribed them. Hey, you want some souls and it worked, amen? If I can buy you a new suit, you come for a year, I'll do the same thing. Your soul is worth a new suit. 
So he went after those young people, a suit would mean so much to them, and he started training them up. But here was the thing, oh shoot, he's not a preacher, he can hardly speak English. He had such an accent and was so illiterate that most people couldn't understand him. But one day, so what he would do is he would hire these preachers to come in for him. He would say, hey, you pastor a church, you come in. You know, you know, I'm not qualified for this. So after doing it for about two years, one day, the pastor that he had to come and speak to the people couldn't show up. So guess who had to do it? DL did it. He said, hey, guys, bear with me. I'm going to give the best shot I've got. The guy that I wanted to come couldn't do it. They said after the end that he got done preaching, hey, we like you better than all those other guys. He became known as the Prince of Preachers. He preached all over in the biggest churches of England. He came all over America. His legacy spreads to this day. We all know his name. We know the campus. One of the best Bible colleges in America is the college that he started because he said, I want to raise up other people. You know, people of DL's day, they looked up to him. They looked up to D.L. Moody. People loved to give him money. You know why? Because they believed in what D.L. Moody did. They believed in it. They said, D.L. Moody, you're making a difference. We believe in you. Oh, to God that we would have another shoe salesman that wants to make a difference for Jesus. Just a shoe salesman, amen? And the next story that I want you to, to, to think about in your heart is discipleship, just for me personally. Do you know how I became a pastor? 18 years old, high school dropout. That was my testimony, November 5th, 1995, being saved. You know how I became a pastor? I got rejected from the first Bible college I applied to. The School of Urban Missions took me in. They only had about 20 students. But Brother Anthony discipled me for two years. He rebuked me at his dinner table. He rebuked me on the ministry field. I got rebuked so many times, I thought rebuking was normal. <laughs> I would get around people and I'd be like, why aren't you rebuking me? And I'm used to being rebuked. I'm a pastor. You guys aren't rebuked. You must not love me. And at the age of 22, I was able to start a church in my house, the very first one, Metro Praise in New Orleans, brought in over 30 homeless people into my house. I was able to feed the people of the streets, win hundreds of souls to the Lord, met people that would give me $20,000 at a pop. I met a guy on an airplane, never knew him, never saw him again. He was giving $20,000 to the ministry. And people would look up and say, Pastor, I look up to you. I want to be like you. I remember going to one man's home. He said, Pastor, I just want to do what you did. I want to get off drugs and I want to be a pastor. People would ask me, they would say, how did you do it? How did you do it? How did you get into ministry? How did you find the wife? Dear God, how did I do that? That's a good question. You know, I say, man, see it with me. I mean, that's a miracle. Discipleship. You're here. Now, either you look up to what I'm saying or you're crazy because you just showed up to hear what Bozo had to say. What's wrong with you? Now, if you came to hear me and they came to hear D.L. Moody, my question is, who's going to come to hear you? You see, you live for God and you start to influence the world you live in. And then you live for God and you influence the world you live in. And you do it and then 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 you do it. And let's set this place on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's save the lost. Let's heal the hurting. Let's restore the brokenhearted. And let's make Jesus' name great. Because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Is there anybody here that will say, I lift you up, Jesus? In a nation that may have no respect for you or your word, I'll lift you up, Jesus. Is there anybody that will lift up Jesus Christ in here? Let's pray. Father God, help us to be the disciples you called us to be. We desire to be used by you, God. I know, Lord, I feel 
Like that little boy giving you two fishes and five bones. I know it's impossible to feed 5,000, but Lord, it's all that I have. And I ask, Lord, that you use it for your glory to touch thousands of people. And now, Lord, I ask you to use those here. They may not think they have anything to give, too old, too young, not educated, too educated, too rich, too poor. God, wherever they are, I pray, Lord, you use them. You use them to change the world, to be on a mountain of influence that changes lives. In your precious name. Amen. Before we go, can we sing this song one last time today? You can use me, God. If you can use anything, you can sing a song before we leave out here today. Come on, Jesus. Give us God. Bless us now as we fellowship and go our separate ways this week. 
Help us to remember to make a pledge to this church so we can have influence in this community. Keep preaching messages like this and outreaching. And Lord, I pray that all of us will be on that mountain of influence as disciples. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If you believe it, can you say amen to that? Amen. Tell somebody you love, oh God bless you, we love you today.